We appreciate this good man, amen, to come. Love Brother Sanford. Love young Brother Sanford. Amen. Good, good men of God. Love and appreciate them. Let's give him a good bend there. Welcome this pulpit again this morning. God bless him. Love you, brother. Come on, let's do that under the Lord, shall we? He's deserving today. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. Do we have any praisers in the house that want to take a praise break? Pause and celebrate His majesty, His greatness, His omnipotence. He's still a way maker. Look at somebody and tell them He's a way maker. God has not diminished in power. He has not been reduced to some inferior deity. He is still high and lifted up. He has a lofty position, and I feel his presence in this house. I don't think your pastor's going to get drunk. I think he's already there. Like shepherd, like sheep, I don't know what some of you are waiting on. He's not stingy. He's liberal. Come on. Anybody want a drink from a fountain that never runs dry? Listen, as apostolics, we have not stopped drinking. We've just changed fountains. We have not stopped dancing. We've just changed partners. We're in covenant with the Lord today. Oh, such pressing needs in the house. Paramount. Anybody feel that? The heaviness. Problems of great perplexities, but. I'm thankful that we know the one who can make all things new. It ignited a spark in my spirit when you begin to talk about a turnaround God. We sing about it. We even celebrate it. We shout about it. Why don't we believe that? Because we can sing it and preach it and shout it and really not be convinced. But if you ever arrive at a place of being fully persuaded that what God has promised... He will perform. Somebody's going to have to hold your muse. Somebody's going to have to give you some room, Bubba. Anybody feel a shout coming on? Not as a show. Not to grandstand. Not some prima donna. But I'm talking about an understanding, a revelation. That God is still in charge. And in full control of the affairs of men. And I honored to be here today in the book of Jeremiah chapter 32 and many of you are returning back to your seats started to say pew but uh, seats enjoyed this good singing created a climate and atmosphere and always an honor to be at Bendale I'm glad to be at the most exciting place in Bendale and, uh, church it's not just something to do when you get bored. It's not just somewhere to go when you're looking to kill time. The church is a priority. It's an honor to be here. Good to see some friends of mine here. Brother Bruce, Wooten, his family. Appreciate them very, very much. Appreciate them being able to be in this service. Jeremiah chapter 32. I'm not a miracle worker, but there's one here. I'm here to represent him. I'm here to do his bidding. And I've got to believe that he will more than back up what we declare, what we proclaim, and what we preach. 
uh, it may be redundant for some, and pardon the repetitive, but uh, I just can't help but to tell somebody that you've never been closer to your breakthrough. Better preachers than yours truly has made that statement to you, but it's not based on a preacher or a personality. When you can arrive at a conclusion in your spirit to know that God is speaking to you and you've never been closer to your miracle, to the answer that you have been seeking. Jeremiah 32 verses 26 and 27, Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? As apostolics, we all know the answer to that question. There is nothing too difficult for God. There is no problem He cannot solve, no mountain that He cannot move, no sickness that can He cannot heal, no situation that He cannot change. When we understand that nothing is too difficult for God, then we must conclude that the greater the need, the greater the miracle. The greater the need, the greater the miracle. And there are great needs represented in this service. But I've come to tell you, the darker the night, the brighter the light. Out of the ugly will come forth beauty. And out of the bitterness will come forth sweetness. How can that be when you understand and you conclude in your spirit that the greater the need, the greater the miracle. God meets us at our point of need. And he said, be it unto you according to your faith. Or according to your expectation. So I preach to you on this simple thought. And yet it's paramount. It I believe is revelatory. Because it's the simplicity that God is trying to unveil. And speak to us one and all. That the greater the need. The greater the For some of you. You're on a rendezvous. You're about to have a collision course. With the greatest miracle that you have ever experienced in your life. Because the needs are great. But the greater the need, the greater the miracle. How many believe God is speaking to you right now? And in faith, I'm going to exercise my prerogative right now. I'm going to believe that God is about to remove the affliction. That God is about to eradicate the sickness. That God is about to release into my life an answer, a remedy, a hope beyond this present situation. It was David who had a revelation before you're seated. Knowing that the greater the need, the greater the miracle. That's why David could say God is our refuge and strength. A very present help. In trouble. Thus proven unequivocally that the greater the need, the greater the miracle. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. The story goes that in March of 2015, Lynn Grossbeck, who was 25 years old, she lost control of her automobile. 
She landed upside down in the icy Hispanic Fork River in the state of Utah. Fourteen hours later, first responders found her along with her 18-month-old daughter, Lily. Her 18-month-old daughter was hanging in her car seat upside down just above the frigid river water. Prior to finding the small child, Lily, both police officers and firefighters reported hearing an adult voice crying out, Help me. Repeatedly, help me. The voice was coming from inside the automobile. The first responders concluded that the adult voice they heard could not have been the voice of the mother because she most likely died on impact and had been dead for several hours. The rescuers still to this day cannot explain the voice they heard or how the child survived hanging upside down for, long, for 14 long agonizing hours in the most severe weather conditions, freezing conditions. They were puzzled and baffled. They couldn't explain it. And yet they could not deny it as well. For Grayson Kirby, there appeared to be very little hope after he was thrown from a demolition derby car. In the month of June in the year of 2014, the accident left this young man in a coma. Both of his lungs were crushed. Almost every bone in his body broken. His brain suffered multiple strokes and hemorrhages. His kidneys were failing. If by some miracle he lived, the doctor said he would be nothing more than a vegetable. There's no hope, the doctor said, if any. His family, however, turned a deaf ear to the medical professional advice of the specialists. They decided to do something rash. They decided to do something biblical. They decided to do something Christian. They turned to prayer. In fact, they looked at the doctor, the specialist, and said, we refuse to give up because there is a last resort, and it's called earnest prayer. Churches, in fact, entire communities started praying for Grayson. Ten days after the accident, ten days in a coma, ten days seemingly without hope, the improbable happened. The impossible happened. Kirby opened his eyes and he spoke these words, I love you, to his father. The medical staff could not believe what they were seeing. They could not believe what they were hearing. In his own words later, Kirby said, I know God saved me. I know that prayer and faith saved me from dying that day. Death and disaster was avoided. God was with me. Can I remind us today the greater the need. It was never more dire, more urgent. It was a matter of emergency, bordering on urgency for Grayson. And yet prayer was made without ceasing on his behalf. I'm going to preach about the miracle working power of God. But I'm just going to remind us, those of us who are of prayer, those of us who still believe the effectual fervent prayer avails much. 
I want to remind us that this is no time to push the panic button. This is no time to despair. But if anything, it's time to rise up and declare. It doesn't matter how dark when you understand that Jesus remains the light. And the darker the night, the brighter the light. The greater the need. The greater the miracle. And for some of you, you are headed in the right direction because you can't have a miracle without a mess. And you can't have a testimony without a test. And you can't be healed unless somebody is sick. And you can't be lifted up unless you have been pushed down. If you're believing that God has a miracle of epic proportion with your name on it, I wish you would lift your hands and lift your voice throughout this house and lay claim to the promises of God. The medical staff was bewildered. To them, many of them questioned even after what they had witnessed, filled with doubt and skepticism. But I want to remind us, God has not gone out of the miracle business. From second chances at life to scientifically unexplained mysteries, these two real-life stories, I believe, are powerful reminders that God is still at work in modern times. But it also speaks volumes to us and reminds us the greater the need, the greater the miracle. He remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. Throughout history, the world has been filled with unexplainable miracles and phenomenons. Science can't explain them, and the non-believer and the doubter, they remain a mystery for centuries. Miracles continue to baffle skeptics. And dazzle the believer. We know the skeptic doubts. I think it's time for the believers to shout. It's time for the believers to be not baffled but dazzled by the wonderful works of God. Why? Because the days of miracles have not ceased. The days of spiritual phenomenons are not over. The day that God comes to you and turns it around has not been relegated to somewhere in yesterday. But I can assure you, as David said, I want to echo his words and tell you that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I still believe signs follow those that believe. I'm preaching to myself today I don't know what's wrong with me I don't know what's trying to come on me but I've been under attack for the last two hours I feel like I'm getting sick I'm so weak I can hardly stand here today but God is going to help me push through this I'm about 60% even at 100 that's not very much but I'm here to tell you I'm going to preach this message I know I shouldn't have even mentioned that. It's not about me. I mention it to give God the glory. 
Because if I can get through this message, it proves unequivocally. It gives credibility to the word that doesn't need any more credibility. That if God can touch an evangelist and give him strength to preach when he can barely stand, I got news for you. I've come to preach to somebody. There's a lot of needs in the house. But the last time I checked, there's a lot of God in the house. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not hyping this. I'm telling you there are needs among all of us. But there's a God that is moving among us that is ready to rectify, to turn it around, to heal, to make new, to set free. My wife was here. She would look at me and say, you're pale. That's because I'm sick. Well, people, sick people get pale. But you know what? God is my refuge and my strength. And I'm not trying to spiritualize this, but I think the Lord spoke to me a few moments ago. He said, there is a reason because the enemy would like to get between the word that is going forth between them and what's moving in their direction. So if he can shut the mouthpiece down, if he can shut the preacher down, it's not revelatory, it's not the greatest message you've ever heard, but if you can understand you've stumbled in here with situations that spiraling out of control beyond your ability to remedy or fix. When you come to the conclusion that God is still my refuge, a very present help in trouble, and the name of the Lord is still a strong tower, and the righteous run into it, and they are safe. Look at somebody say, I'm in a safe place today. I'm in a secure place today. I have been positioned for a transition. I'm right where God wants me to be because God in my weakness is going to be made strong because I must decrease. And as I decrease, he will increase. The problem may be spiraling out of control and exponentially it may be growing daily and compounding but I've come to remind you the greater the need the greater the miracle God is about to step into that situation and do what only God can do I feel a turnaround coming I feel a miracle in the making there's a holy manifestation with your name on it And I remind you, he said, these signs will follow those that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. If you're a devil in this place, you're in on a dangerous, dangerous place. You already said it, the devil's in trouble. We've got power to cast out devils. Hey, we're in revival. There's a move of God in this place. We don't have time to chase devils, but we're not going to run from them either. They're not going to shut my miracle down. That bad spirit and that humanistic attitude that people try to influence you with, it can't shut the miracle down that God has set in motion with your name on it. I wish somebody would step into the Holy Ghost and start seeing the unseen and hearing the unheard and feeling the unfelt I hear the sound of abundance 
I say three and a half years of no rain and no dew is a very, very severe need. But the greater the need, the greater the miracle. In one moment, clouds started forming and rain started falling. It wasn't a shower. It wasn't an overnight sprinkle. It was a downpour, a thunderstorm, a deluge of water. Thus proving the greater the need, the greater the miracle. God knows how to break the drought. Now I'm in the Holy Ghost. Let me tell somebody, the drought is not about to be broken. It has already been broken. That from this day forward, I wonder who he's talking to. Well, you just eliminated yourself because faith is not speculation. When the preacher says somebody's drought has already been broken, you'll say, yeah, that's me. I claim it. That's my word. I said, from this day forward, you're going to walk in the favor of God. There's going to be a series of unexplainable yet undeniable events. I still believe there are seasons orchestrated by God when the unexplainable meets the undeniable. You're not going to be able to sit down and write an essay and put in words and formulate sentences that's going to properly explain what God is doing. You're just going to look back in retrospect and say it was God. And from this day forward, you're going to live in prosperity and in fullness and in plenty. Because that season of drought and famine has been broken. It has come to an end. The culmination of it is now ceasing. I wish somebody would get out. If we can shout when we sing, somebody ought to run the aisles when we're preaching. Not about me, but it's about a mindset of faith that says the unexplainable is meeting the undeniable. I've got some great needs in my life. The doctor's at their wit's end. The medicine's not working. The lawyers have exhausted all efforts. I got news for you. The greater the need, the greater the miracle. It's coming. They shall cast out devils in my name. They shall speak with new tongues. Amen? Let me tell you about Jesus. He can take a street walker and make a tongue talker out of them. Explain that when you can't. But you can't deny it either. I'm talking about great needs produce great miracles. People that was in the gutter, dirty, low down, sorry, no good for nothing. When God gets through with them, they make preachers. They make singers. They make Sunday school teachers. They make aisle runners, toe tappers, hand clappers, tongue talkers. They make some of the best saints because they never forget that it was God that dug them out of the gutter and saved them to the uttermost. From the guttermost to the uttermost. Anybody used to have some problems? I mean real problems. Addictions and habits, but God delivered you. You ought to just leap for the joy of the Lord that still is your strength. 
I know you just got through celebrating, but somebody, if God delivered you from alcohol and you're not, well, everybody knows it anyway, you ought to make a lap. Prince Edward, Marlboros, Red Man. And all of you folks that think you've been born with the Holy Ghost and you've always been perfect, some of you ought to learn to shout too. Because our righteousness is filthy rags. It will not cut it. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall lay hands on the sick. Not a preacher. Not an evangelist. But the believer shall lay hands on the sick. It's time for the church to become the church. It's not a one-man show. This thing was not done in a corner. It needs to be some delegating. Delegate some things. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Not may recover, but shall recover. I don't know how you feel, but when I lay hands on somebody, I'm expecting them to recover. Not because of me, but because I am in compliance with the Word. I am in obedience to the Word. He said it. I have given you power to lay hands on the sick, to cast out devils. Well, I don't know about the greater the need. There probably was no greater need in all the scripture than the man of Gadara who was possessed by legion. He didn't have just a problem. He had problems. He didn't have just a few bad spirits and a few devils. He was possessed with legion commentaries. And Bible scholars believe that could have been up to three to 5,000 devils that had taken up residence in his life. He had great need. He was bound. He was a wild man. He was out of control. Society had tried to rehabilitate him. They would chain him and he would just break the chains. You know, he, you know how I know he's got problems? He spends the night in the graveyard. I mean, you got some, something going on upstairs. I, I'm going to get my sleeping bag and I'm just going to camp out in the graveyard. No, you got problems. I, I know dead people can't hurt you, but they can make you hurt yourself. Because I, I think I heard, so I think I saw, there's a shadow. You know, make your, your imagination runs wild. The guy had some serious problems. You want to know how I know he got problems? Because they'd put clothes on him and he'd take them off. People that want to take off clothes has got spiritual problems. Well, you didn't expect to hear that, did you? Want to see how close to the fence you can live? And, well, you know, I, I claim to be a Christian, but I think it's all right to take this off and take this off. You know, always want to be borderline everything. You know, push the envelope. See how close to the world you can live and still have a little bit of God's favor. People that have spirit problems won't keep on enough clothes. In fact, he took them all off. He's the first streaker, I guess. He's running through the graveyard naked. Don't look, Ethel. Too late. Amen. Problems. Amen. Wouldn't be me if I didn't add a little comedy. I am feeling better. That weakness is gone.
one encounter, a man with great need meets a God who can give him the miracle. In one encounter, one moment he's out of control, and the next moment he's clothed, sitting, and in his right mind. When he got his heart right, he put on some clothes. Hello. He's sitting. There's stability in his life. He's at home with his family. I worry about these guys that's always running the roads. Never want to stay home. Don't be like one guy who told me. He said, when I'm gone, I feel appreciated. When I'm at home, I feel tolerated. I don't know about you guys, but I like to be home. I like mama's company. It doesn't matter where I am. If I got mama, I'm at home. That's right. Somebody said, you don't feel at home today. I'm enduring it. No, you're great people. But he's clothed sitting and in his right mind. God has not forgot about you. This qualifies as a severe, urgent, almost impossible situation because thousands of devils control his life. I've preached this before, this part here before. The Bible says when he saw Jesus, he's got great needs, but he's not blind to Jesus. The devil has the bluff on some of you. He wants you to think that you cannot really see him for who he is. That you're limited at best and you'll just have to learn to cope and manage and deal with situations in your life. That's a lie from hell. This man has got thousands of devils, but it could not keep him from seeing Jesus. And it gets better. Then he runs to Jesus. The devil is not so big and bad that he can keep you from an encounter with Jesus. If you want one. If you're here and you don't have the Holy Ghost, stop blaming everybody else. And look in the mirror and step up to the plate and say, I'm the reason I don't have it. But I'm tired of not having it. I want it. I'm not going to blame the devil. I'm not going to blame the preacher. I'm not going to blame my wife. I'm not going to blame my husband. He runs to Jesus and watch this. Then he falls at his feet and he did something that you would think only people who are right and religious would do. He worships. Why don't we look down our long ceremonial nose at people that come to church and they, they don't have the revelation that we have. And they don't dress the way that we dress. And they're, they're not free like we are. And yet, in their own way, they're trying to worship. And sometime, who do they think they are? They got to get the Holy Ghost first. I don't think so. Some of you with the Holy Ghost ain't got it together. Hello? Boy, I'm ugly right now. He that cometh to God must first believe. There's something you have to do before God ever saves you. you got to have a faith that says, if I'll ask, he'll hear. If I'll repent, he'll forgive me. When I come submit to being baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, i got enough faith my sins are being washed away. And i got to believe he's going to fill me with the Holy Ghost. 
You don't get it together and then come to Jesus. He's bound and yet he's worshiping. I wonder what's wrong with some apostolics. Hello? If he can, you can. Hello? You say, well, I got problems. Not like him. Oh, you may have a few devils. Well, that's what your wife said. I mean, you know. Just a devil. Hello? Now, he got problems, but he saw him. He ran to him. He fell at his feet and he worshiped. Lord said, I think I can handle this. The, the devils were commanded to leave. Because greater the need, the greater the miracles. They even asked the Lord permission. I know we've got to vacate the premise, the person. But don't just send us away. Let us go into this herd of swine. And when those demons, see a demon, you need to know something about demonology. They'll live anything that's got, that breathes air and got hot blood. A demon will. Looking for a body. Because they're, they're unfulfilled within themselves. Deaf and dumb. And they need a body to fulfill their urges and their lust. And their desires. Hello? And they went into the pigs. And it's amazing to me that the pigs decided we'd rather commit suicide than be filled with these unclean spirits. What pigs will not allow, people do. Not, not advocating commit suicide. Just get delivered. And the, and the community got upset about it. They're not talking about the miracle of the Gadara man being delivered of devils. They're upset the farmers because they lost their bacon and their ham. Their attitude was, don't kill my pigs. Hello? Let's be honest. There's just some people that would rather have their bacon, their ham, their habits, their addictions than God. Amen? That man experienced a great miracle. And I remind us again, we shall lay hands on the sick and we will recover. Can I prophesy? Thank you. What you going to say? I'm going to prophesy to somebody right now. The person that will connect in faith and tell you that your sickness is not unto death. Amen? But rather, that the power of God may be revealed in you. Because when the healing comes, God's going to get more glory in your recovery than in your death. Somebody ought to say, I'm coming up and I'm coming out of this. Been kind of off lately, preacher. Hadn't been feeling myself. Don't know what's going on. But God's got this. God's taking care of this. I'm going to recover and not die. And I understand that death is real. My wife called me late yesterday evening. Some terrible news. 
one of our ministers in Blue Mountain, Mississippi, Brother Joe McKnight. I just preached for him not long ago. Picture of health. Had a massive heart attack and passed away. They were in a service Friday night, Winterfest, at their church in Blue Mountain. Found out that he commented to Brother Steve Wilson. He said, I've been short of breath the last few days. I'm having trouble with my breathing. They had coronavirus many, many months ago. But he said, I've been struggling with my breath. With a heart attack. And they're saying now it was a blood clot to the lung and heart failed him. Looked like the picture of health. Mid-60s, but didn't look it. Never know. We can't mash or rewind button. But from this day forward, and there's some health issues. We think it will pass, but we're not God. We don't know. But he said, you can speak to the mountain. And command it to be removed. So if you think you need a touch from the Lord. Why don't you lift your hands. And God knows. God can absolutely get involved with your health dilemma. And he can nip it in the bud. And the very thing that's about to take you down or take you out. God can step in. And say live. And not die. Is that what he said to Israel? He said, I saw you in the open field. You were a bloody mess. Your cord had not been uncut. Been cut. Nobody wanted you. You were ugly. A misfit. But he said, I passed by and I looked at you and I said, live. And they did. He's passing by right now. Hmm. I'm reluctant to respond, preacher, because everybody's just sitting. I wish somebody would respond by just getting to their feet and saying, I'm claiming it right now. There's a great need in my life. It may not be physical. It may be a family situation. It may be financial. It may be emotional. But in the name of Jesus, on the authority of His Word, I'm saying live! Recover! I say recover from your affliction. Recover from your addiction. Recover from your sickness. Recover from your sadness. Recover from the brokenness and be healed. There are wounded hearts, Pastor Moore, in this house. But I say in Jesus' name, recover. I speak to you, love again, trust again, live again. There are times when the unexplainable meets the undeniable. Difficult to describe, but impossible to dispute. Can I preach just a few more minutes? I believe God's healing while I'm preaching. Not because of me, but because faith is in the house. Webster defines a miracle like this, a surprising 
and welcome the event that is not explicable by natural or scientific law. And he says, and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine being. We know his name. Jesus. And he's a chain breaker. A miracle worker. A light in the darkness. A door opener. Somebody who is seeking employment. Can I tell you, the door of opportunity is opening. Now I'm really going to test your faith. Anybody need a better job? There's a few. More pay, better benefits, according to your faith. Well, it's going to not be easy. Didn't say it was easy. I just said the greater the need. The greater the miracle. Because when it happens, you can't take the credit. Because you're not that good. We're not that smart. Hello? It's going to be a God thing. Hello? Talking to a pastor just yesterday from out of state. He's been keeping me informed about a a saint in his church, a lady that got COVID-19. And she's been in the hospital for several months and been on a ventilator and unconscious. and, And even the medical team had been telling her daughter, you need to prepare yourself. You're going to have to make some hard decisions. You know, it's there's no way. We're not giving her any chance that she will recover, that she will regain consciousness and get off the ventilator and go home. And they even encouraged her to pull the plug. And she said, no, no, we're praying, we're praying. And the more they prayed, the worse she got. Hello, somebody. Didn't expect that, did you? It happens. But she was persistent, determined. Like the little lady that went before the unjust judge time and time again with a great need. But she was determined the greater the need, the greater the miracle. If I can just get him to sign off on this. If I can just get him to agree to this. What a day of victory and celebration. And he told me yesterday, he said, guess who was in church Wednesday night? He said, she wakes up, wean her off the ventilator, move her in a private room. She's setting up in the bed. She gets better quick in just a few days. She went home, and she was in church Wednesday night. The greater the need. God is sovereign, and within His sovereignty, there are some mysteries that will never be revealed to us. I don't understand everything, but when I cannot understand Him, I can still trust Him and know that He knows the way that I take. And I'm going to trust Him that if I'll do my part, I'm going to leave the results to Him. See, needs is what qualifies us for a miracle. A need or needs is what positions us to receive miracles. God doesn't take on the easy cases only. It doesn't get too dire or difficult for him. In fact, the more severe he becomes that present help. Amen. David said, in trouble. And I can assure you the need has not gone unnoticed. 
by God it's not oblivious to him for our heavenly father knows what things you have need of before you ask before you know the problem he already knows the need before you even think about taking your problem to the Lord in prayer he already knows I don't think you heard me. I said he already knows. He knows the severity of your situation. He knows the perplexity of your problem. He knows. One of the greatest revelations that came to Job during his trial and crisis was the revelation of knowing. There was imparted to him that revelation of knowing. He said I, he knows the way that I take. Job was saying, he knows, but here's the revelation. I know that he knows. And with him, there is no mistake. He knows what's best for me. What he was admitting, he knows, but I know that he knows. And I know that when I don't know what to do, he knows what to do. And knowing that, knowing that God knows everything that's going on in my life. That gives me faith that He's going to see me through. For when I'm tried, Job said, I shall come forth as gold. He said, I'm in the trial of my life. But he got a revelation, the greater the need. The greater the manifestation. The greater the miracle. Before you even know there is a problem, God is already at work making sure that everything is all right. Before you ever stepped into that trial, God marked on His calendar the day the trial would cease. And for some in this house, the drought and the famine is over. From this day forward, get ready. For favor and blessing. Oh, that's a little charismatic, don't you think? Talking about favor and blessings and, and miracles and blabbing it and grabbing it and naming it and claiming it and professing it and possessing it. Oh, got a charismatic flavor. I ain't into that. Well, you just sit there and do without. Look like you're constipated. Look melancholy. Look like you're mad at the world. Look like a wet setting hen. All puffed up. And just try to deal with your own dilemma. But there's a few radicals in this house that says the greater the need, the greater the God. The greater the miracle. It's not about my ability. It's about His ability. I choose to step out and believe that God can still give me favor. That God can save my family. That God can heal my body. That God can meet a financial need. Somebody claim it. I don't know who, who thinks this, but somebody does because I feel it every time I come here, and I don't mean to be ugly, but well, that's one of them rah, rah, positive, hallelujah messages. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. Well, honey, before you criticize faith, it be in the book. It may not be in you, but it's in the book. I don't need a lot of faith, and I probably don't have as much as I need. But the last time I checked the book, it says faith as the grain of a mustard seed. It can produce the results. All I need to use is what I've got, and it will bring the necessary needed results. 
My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. So God's riches and glory can more than compensate for human needs and suffering. Don't think for one moment that you have been left alone to deal with your need all by yourself. He's an ever-present help in trouble, a refuge, a strength in time of trouble. Think about it. Refuge, strength, and help. Does it get any better than that? Amen. With all the needs in our lives and yet knowing that we have a refuge in Jesus. I'm, I'm coming to a close. Some of you think, well, if he'll lay hands on me, God will do it. Well, I, that's fine. No problem. If that's where your faith is moving in that direction, I need to lay hands on you. Hello. Cast that devil out. Amen. I, not really. That ain't what I'm talking about. I need a touch. Well, the devil goes first. I don't feel anybody devil possessed. I'm just, just let you understand something. We all are needy. We all have problems. Amen. Fallacies. We're flawed. Amen. Well, everybody but you. Pray for us. The greater the need. Amen. I know what some of you are thinking. I could, I could name this one and this one and this one. Oh, boy, the miracle's going to be out of this world because they got big problems. Oh, it's going to be like the 4th of July. Fireworks going off when God shows them because they got major issues. Why don't we just go ahead and claim the problem? Anybody want a big God? Then you got big problems. Because a big God shows up where there's problem. He doesn't show up where there's not a problem. He, he'll walk right past somebody that don't need a blessing. He said, the whole have no need of what I'm offering. But if I can find somebody dysfunctional, problematic, down and out, destitute, naked, empty, sick, despaired. He said, I'll show up. Why don't we just remain standing? According to Hebrews, there is grace to help. When? In time of need. Whew, my God. And we wonder why we've survived. Why we haven't lost our sanity. Why we're still. Look at somebody say, I'm still here. Hello. Because the scripture says, if you suffer with him. You will also reign with him. Anybody been suffering lately? You got a promise of a promotion. It's coming. Lift your hands and give him praise right now. Musicians, if you'll please come. Woo. Great needs produce great miracles. He's a present help in trouble. I like that scripture when God's speaking prophetically to Israel. It ministers to me. I think it ministers to God's people. When he said, and it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord, I will give you rest from your fear and rest from your sorrow. And rest from the hard bondage wherein you were made to serve. They were in Egyptian bondage when that prophecy went forth. But God is sending them a promissory word 
for their future. There's coming a day. The captivity will end. And the hardships will end. And the whip and the taskmasters will be just a memory of bygone days. There's coming a time when I'm going to give you rest from your fear, your sorrow, and from your hard bondage. What he was simply saying is this. In a moment of time, God can make up to us for all the hard times. Anybody want to claim that promise? I know the scripture all that live godly shall suffer persecution. I know there's always going to be battles and mountains and valleys and difficulties, and hindrances and resistance. I understand that. But with every one, they have to bow. Because God said, there's coming a day when I'm going to release into your life seasons of blessings and liberty and victory and joy. That's why the scripture says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. The night season can be difficult. But if you can endure the night season, you got a promise. The greater the miracle. Joy is coming. If you're comfortable doing it, lift just reach over, take somebody's hand or lay your hand on their shoulder, men to men, ladies to ladies, unless it's family. And let's pray. Did you know the prayer that you're praying right now may set in motion a path that that person will travel the rest of their days? It will set in motion a victory a blessing, a deliverance. Woo! The greater the need. Brother Moore, I am convinced that needs have already been met in this service. And don't misunderstand me. Let us not fall into the trap and fall prey. And always feeling like that God is to always just bail us out. We have an attitude of escapism in Pentecost. We want to escape difficulties, heartaches, pressure, sickness. That's not reality of things. But with every situation and circumstance... God is there to give grace, to give strength, so that you will not falter. You will not just have a survival mode, but you will be in a revival mode of thriving, excelling. I don't want to just seek Him when I'm in trouble. But if I seek Him when I'm on the mountain... I don't have a guilty conscience when I take problems to him when I'm in the valley. Woo. I'm preaching to people that call on him on the mountain and in the valley, in sickness and in health. So you just go ahead and take your Holy Ghost liberty today. Your God-given right to just go ahead and ask of the Lord and see if he will not do all that he has promised. My God, I feel victory in this house. 
I feel a breaking forth, a deliverance. I feel creative, manifested miracles coming. Did I understand you to say something about maybe future? Buying land? Building? Have you lost your mind? I'm playing devil's advocate. I don't feel that attitude here. And in this many people, that's, that's hard to believe, isn't it? Because you can have five people at church and one of them, I don't know about that. I'm against it. That's my father-in-law's word. He's country too. He ain't against anything. He's against it. Without a vision. I believe it. I know this is a giving church, but the Lord will tell you today in the Holy Ghost, I tell you that God will more than make up the difference. I wish somebody would believe that. It's not about Carrie Sanford. I'm flesh and blood. I'm just a man. But in the anointing of the Holy Ghost, I tell you that if you will step out, God will more than meet you halfway and it will be financed. I feel some miracles for this church. I've been feeling it for several years, and it's not over. Pastor out of state was in a little storefront paying $1,000 a month. Started the church. Had about 20 people. Stepped out by faith. Bought four acres of land on the interstate. I was preaching for him and Holy Ghost nudged me and said he, he's a little bit fearful. The devil's beating him up. Trying to convince him that he's stepped out too soon. And have the money. It's going to be tough. $1,000 rent, then utilities here, and then paying for land and with hopes of building a church. I turned to him and I said, Brother, God's going to honor your faith because faith without works the Bible says when he saw their faith, faith's invisible, intangible. In other words, when he saw their action, that they were willing to tear a hole in the roof. That's faith. When you don't just sit around and talk about it and think about it, but you actually take the bull by the horns and you get involved with doing it. And I said, brother, to prove to you that you were in the will of God and that you're going to build that church I said, there's going to be people to come by on Sunday morning. You'll never see them again. But they're going to write checks and put in the offering. And I said, when you, when you move in, not yet, but when you move in that new building, you'll be debt free. And a preacher in the church, he told me this later, the pastor. He said, I never told you this when you was preaching those revivals as far as you was prophesying that thing. He said, I had a minister in my church come to me and said, Sanford is a false prophet. Sanford is crazy. You don't believe all that stuff he's prophesying, do you? I hope you've got better sense than that. We got a little group of people, 20 people, and all this stuff he's prophesying, new property, new building, debt-free. He's out of his mind. He said, I looked at the man and said, I believe every word of it. And you would do well to believe it too. 
still going back there preaching and that man don't even go to church anymore. That's sad. He called me. He said, you know what you prophesied about? He said, there was a man traveling through. My secretary came to me and said, he left a $2,500 check. He said, almost periodically every Sunday, somebody coming by, $500, $1,000, $1,200. And the night that I prophesied that all that would happen, I said, there have been people in this church that have felt to bless the building fund, get this project going. Get it on its feet. But for some reason, you've talked yourself out of it. I said, that stops tonight. That's between you and God. But that stops tonight. The drought is over. Somebody's going to let go of the purse strings. He calls me in his office that night after service. He said, come here. He said, a lady just walked up to me and handed me a check for $30,000 and said, put it in the building fund. We're going to pay for that property. We're going to build that church. The greater the need, the greater. All God needs is somebody to connect in faith. And he said, another person handed me a check for 8000 another one for five and three. And he started calling me. He said, and just a few months ago, we didn't have anything in the building fund. And he said, now we've got enough in the building fund to get our church in the dry." And he said, we'll believe God for the rest of the money to finish it. And I was back preaching. And I said, there is a $40,000 blessing coming to this church. And the crew that was working on the church, the man called him and he said, me and my guys have been talking. You owe, you like about $40,000 finishing the church. And we have decided half of that is labor, $20,000. We are going to donate our labor won't cost you a dime. A week later, he said, he said, I'm thinking to myself, he's prophesied 40. Well, that's half of it. Well, I doubt the other half. And he didn't. About a week later, the same guy calls back and says, we've been talking. And we have decided. Now, the greater the need, the greater. You don't think God can move on people? You said it. And he said, we've decided that we are going to go in together and buy the material, $20,000, and finish the church. That's a $40,000 blessing. And I helped preach. I preached one night of the dedication. And when they moved in, the church was debt free. Three years ago, and guess what? Now they've got steel on the property, and come spring, they're erecting a brand new church because they're outgrowing the one they're in. But there was about 10 years of 20 and 25 and struggle. But when God speaks, hey, it's easy to prophesy if the house is full and there's a lot of money going around. But when you got 20 people and the evangelist shows up and says, get ready. You're going to pay for that property. You're going to build a new church. You're going to have revival. I see multitudes coming. If you could only see what God has got in mind for some of you, you could look beyond the disaster right now and start believing God for a deliverance. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Anybody sick of struggling? 
not talking about lazy. No, I ain't got lazy. I'm talking about you work and you do the best you can do and it's still the numbers don't add up. Lift your hands right now and say, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but God, I'm coming out of this famine. I'm coming out of this drought. I'm going to be a greater blessing to my family, a greater blessing to my church. Sis, I don't know. All I know, a blessing's coming. It's due you. It's coming. There's going to be some blessings released to you. Nobody's told me anything. I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. Exponentially over the top. More than enough. It's going to happen. Honey, if you can't get excited about having God's favor, you're a lost cause. Somebody ought to sing it. Somebody ought to shout it. Somebody ought to dance. Somebody ought to leap. Somebody ought to run. The greater the need. Here's what I'm preaching. It's when you can't fix it. And you don't have the answer or the ability. That's when God steps up and says, move aside. It's my turn now. Because as long as you can fix it, you don't need him. As long as you've got the resources, you don't have to pray about it. But it's when you're at the end of your road. And you can't do anything about it. And you can't make it happen. That's when he shows up. Because the greater the need. There's some things out of our control, some things out of our hands, some things we don't have the ability. But God said, that's when I show up because the greater the need, the greater the miracle. Lift your hands and give him praise right now. God bless you. If you believe what I have preached and you take it personal, as they begin to sing, I wish you'd come line up across this altar area and start giving God praise. Not because of me, but there are praise reports that will come forth from this service.
Come on, Pentecostals, claim it. He's no respecter of persons. For our Heavenly Father knows what things you have need of before you ask. Let me share this with you. That same preacher that I talked about, the miracles. There's a minister that preaches for him some. I think he was the only child his parents passed a couple of years ago. His dad was wealthy. So he inherited all these millions. Going to get installments, whatever. And he told that pastor... He said, every dime that your church raises, I'm going to match it. And then some. And it's in the in and the then some that it gets real interesting. Because he's being a blessing. And I have no doubts when they get in their new building that they're going to be debt free too. Because he's so minded kingdom minded it's about souls there's no personal agenda it's about the will and the work of God and he told me he said brother Sanford since day one I came to this town he said it's been one miracle after another he said of all the and this is not about me please don't and I normally wouldn't say this but y'all know me well enough to know I'm not on an ego trip he said of the evangelist that I use he said when you started preaching for me in 08, we'd only been here a year or two. He said, from day one, he said, God sent you to this church as a prophetic voice. And he said, I have watched one, two, three. And he just started down the line. Miracles. Prophecies that you prophesied that have come to pass. He said, things that you haven't even prophesied just the goodness and the favor of God he said but it seems like every time we hit a snag and it looks like the money's not going to be there I remember one prophecy in particular you said brother it will always be there when you need it and he said without a doubt without question that has proven to be true so I'm telling somebody today you may feel like your barrel is empty and there's no oil and meal. But go check again. There's enough for a meal. There's enough for a cake. There's enough. There's always going to be enough. But if you study the scriptures, you will find that God really is a God of more than enough. That overflow. So as they sing it and I move out of the way, lift your hands and start praising Him for the extra. The over and beyond. The excessive. The abundance. The overflow. The more 
repent enough. Blessings, my God. If you receive it, oh yes. If you can feel it, somebody testify. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody. Give that unto the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Well, has the Holy Ghost been in the house today? Ministering and speaking unto us. Hallelujah. I, I believe this, folks. I'm going to tell you right now, I believe this. This God is working for us in such a miraculous way. And we're so thankful for that this morning. Hallelujah. Sister Terry, I didn't realize it until just now. Praise God that you're here with that brand new little girl. Would you like to introduce her to us? Going to let Brother Corey? No, either one. And uh, Hallelujah. I, I, I think the setting's right for this. Now, we've talked about miracles and doing super things. And God, and you know, and look at him. Here's the pudding, buddy. Hallelujah. 
Praise God. Five boys and all of a sudden a girl. Really wasn't supposed to have any more and all this kind of stuff. But uh, hallelujah. So, so I think he's going to make you do it. I'm not going to do it for y'all. <laughs> Sister Glenda said she'll do it. My, my, my. What a beautiful service. Ali Claire's first time to be in the Apostolic Church. <laughs> Praise God. Man, God's good, isn't he? It's awesome and mighty. All right. We'll see you tonight. Let's pray uh, as much as you can this afternoon. Just keep your mind on the Lord and uh, come back tonight. 530 prayer time. Remember, 530 is actually service time. It's prayer time, but it's service time. And let's join together and pray and seek the hand of the favor of God. And then 6 o'clock service time. Come expecting an explosion in this house tonight. I'm believing that. Amen. God love you. God appreciate you. Good to have our guests. God bless you all for being here. Appreciate you. God bless you. Love you this morning. Appreciate you. God bless you. You're dismissed in the fear of the Lord.